Well, as we look at Joseph today, I, I really, my goal is to land at one place and really teach you from, from one particular instance and season from his life. But I want to share some introductory thoughts before we get to that particular season. So Joseph, if you look in the first book in the Bible called Genesis, in chapter 37, the Bible says that Joseph had a dream from God. And so Joseph has this dream from God. And I think it's very important for all of us to understand that God gives us dreams. God has a dream for your life. You may not even be aware of it right now, but God does have a dream for your life. And Joseph had a dream, and the Bible says that he told it to his brothers, and his brothers hated him because of his dream. And they so despised Joseph that they sold Joseph into slavery. And the Bible says this Hebrew boy named Joseph ended up in a foreign land named Egypt. And so, so Joseph is in Egypt, and he goes to work at a, for a man named Potiphar. Potiphar is one of the leaders in the nation underneath the leadership of Pharaoh. And so Potiphar takes in Joseph, lets him work around his house, around with the animals, with, with all the servants in the house. And, and Joseph is just working in the house. And, and one day, Potiphar's wife makes advances towards Joseph. Joseph resists her, but she falsely accuses Joseph of rape. And the Bible says when Potiphar heard about this, he didn't try to investigate. He didn't try to find out the facts. Joseph's not even guilty, but Potiphar doesn't take time to find out the facts. He just throws Joseph into the prison. Everybody say prison. I want to talk about prison. Throws Joseph into prison. Joseph is in prison for years. And Joseph, while he's in the prison, Pharaoh, the king of the land, the president of the land, has a dream. He once interpreted, and he hears about a man named Joseph who could help him with his dream. And so Pharaoh calls for Joseph. Everybody shout calls. Pharaoh calls for Joseph. And Joseph shows up in the king's palace and interprets his dream. And Joseph ends up second in charge of Egypt, the vice president of Egypt. One call, one call changed his entire destiny. One call changed the entire trajectory of Joseph's life. One call from Pharaoh changed everything. And we love to talk about the palace. And he's in the palace. We, we love to talk about the call. When you get the call, when the favor happens, when the promotion happens, when Pharaoh calls, we love that. But, but what I want to talk to you about is the in-between season. The in-between season, when you have a dream and you know you heard from God and God has given you a dream for your life and, and yet, yet the dream has not happened and you're in the in-between season in prison. You're in the prison of, of life and you're waiting for Pharaoh to call. And I want to talk to you about what do you do until Pharaoh calls? 
What do you do in the in-between season? And can I submit to you today, what you do in the in-between season, what you do in prison is critical for you to get to the palace. And when I want to look at Joseph and I want us to see, what do you do in the in-between season until Pharaoh calls? Number one is this. Learn everything you can in the prison. You see, many people miss out on what God wants to teach them in the prison. Now, no, no, don't tune me out here. This is, this is critical for your future. This is critical for your destiny. This is critical for your dream. You see, most people spend their time trying to get out of the prison instead of learning all they can while they're in the prison. And one of the keys to Joseph's success was Joseph learned everything he could in the prison. I want us to look at Joseph's life. If you have a Bible or uh, a mobile phone with an app on it, a Bible app, I encourage you to look, look at that with me. So critical that we look at God's Word together. And the Bible says in Genesis 39 and verse number 20, it says, Joseph's master took notice, or took him and put him in the prison. This is, this is Potiphar. Notice, put him in the prison. We're calling that the in-between place. He's got a dream. He's not happening. And he's in between the dream and the palace. He's in the prison, the in-between place. And the Bible says, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in the prison... Everybody shout, but wow. That's key. You see, you read that, that little scripture, that little verse, and it seems so menial. It seems so small. It seems so, so insignificant, but yet it carries such a powerful punch, such a powerful pack to it. You see, but wow, Joseph was there in the prison. Whenever we're in the prison, we all have a but wow moment. But wow, you put your name instead of but wow, Joseph, but wow, your name? How do you respond when you're in the prison? But while you're in the prison, how will you respond? And But this is critical. This is key. But while Joseph was in prison, how will he respond? Here's how he responds. Verse 21, the scripture says this about Joseph. It says the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of of the prison warden. Notice it doesn't say, but while Joseph was in the prison, he spent all of his time trying to get out the prison. No, no, the Bible says if you study the text and you study Joseph's life, Joseph was working hard in the prison. Joseph prospered where he was planted. He was learning all he could from the prison experience. And the Bible says something that behooves us. The Bible says something that baffles us. The Bible says something that messes with our mind. The Bible says this about Joseph. It says, and the Lord was even with Joseph in the prison. And we would push back and say, no, 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 that's not, that's not right. The Lord is with us when we're in the palace. <laughs> I mean, the Lord is with us when things are going good. The Lord has given us favor when, when everything's on an upswing. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. Understand this, understand this. When you respond right to prison experiences, the Lord 
is even with you in the prison and will give you favor. The Bible says Joseph had favor even in the prison. But while Joseph was in the prison, he learned everything he could from the prison experience. And some of you today, some of you joining online today, you find yourself in the prison of life. And it's very critical, it's very important that you adjust your perspective. you got to change the way that you view the, the, the prison experience. Some of you, you need to decide, I'm not going to waste this season of my life. See, so many people get in the prison and they waste that season of their life because they're too busy trying to get to the next season. And they miss what they can learn from this season because they keep saying, well, I'm, I'm ready to get to the palace. I'm trying to get there. I got my eyes on that. And they miss out on what they should be learning in the prison season. Listen, when you're in the prison, learn all you can and can all you learn. Learn, learn, learn. Learn from the prison experience. The Bible says this in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse number 7. It says, getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do in your life. Getting godly wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. You're in the prison, getting godly wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 16 says this, how much better to get wisdom than gold. Everybody shout much better. I want you to catch this. Now, how much better to get wisdom than gold? That resonates with some of us. But this, this is countercultural. This, this goes against what our society would say or believes and even what some of you believe. You see, here's how we would say it. How much better it is to get gold than anything else? How much better it is to get a pocket full of money, a lot of money? That's better than wisdom. We would say, how much better it is to get a nice job than wisdom? How much better it is to get a man than wisdom? How much better it is to get a woman than wisdom? How much better it is to get a car or a house than wisdom? But the Bible says, no, 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 you're missing it. No, no. How much better to get wisdom than gold and good judgment than silver? It's much more profitable to get godly wisdom. Because if you get godly wisdom, you'll get the job. If you get godly wisdom, you'll get the man. If you get godly wisdom, you'll get the woman. Some of our singles got the Holy Ghost right there. Hey, hey, I'm getting wisdom today. I call forth that man today, wisdom, Jesus, wisdom. It's much better to get wisdom. Learn all you can. Proverbs chapter 8 and verse 10 says this, choose. See, when you're in the prison experience, but while Joseph was in the prison, you got a choice. Choose my instruction rather than silver. And knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom, you got to believe this, it's biblical, it's true. For wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. Nothing can compare with godly wisdom. Listen, get wisdom. Learn all you can. Don't you dare run away from the prison season. You see, if you run away from the prison season, you will forfeit all the benefits and lessons and, and, that, that you could learn from a season of struggle. 
all the lessons and benefits you can learn from a season of pain. You see, the lessons you learn in the prison are its preparation for the palace. But you got to learn lessons in the prison. You got to learn all you can and can all you learn. If there's something that I have become committed to throughout the years, and that's to be a lifelong learner. I don't ever want to be a know-it-all. I want to learn. In all my getting, I want to get understanding. I want to get godly wisdom. And I can remember, I didn't always have this mindset. When I graduated high school, and I thought, ah, I'm going to go to college. And my go- I just want a degree. I just want a degree. I'm not trying to learn anything. I'm trying to pass some classes and get a degree. And I remember when I graduated from college, it was a day of rejoicing. I got my diploma, and in my mind I thought, and I'm done learning. Whew. Got that over? And I quickly learned that I'm going to be a learner. It didn't take me long to figure out, Herbert, get wisdom. Learn all you can in every season of life. And I remember graduating from college, I was already speaking out and traveling and speaking across the nation as an evangelist, and I went full-time as an evangelist and started speaking, and I'll never forget as a young evangelist in my early 20s, I met an evangelist in Oklahoma named Lynn Wheeler. He was based out of Tennessee. I was based out of Missouri, but we were both here at the same time preaching in churches. Many of you know Lynn Wheeler. He preaches here once a year. He's a great friend of mine and a full-time evangelist still, and the pastors that we were preaching for got us together at lunch, and I met Lynn, and I liked Lynn, and Lynn was, he didn't like to admit this, but Lynn's uh, quite a bit older than me, <laughs> and so I, I asked Lynn, Lynn, can I, can I meet you today and learn from you? And I met, I'll never forget meeting Lynn Wheeler in Moore, Oklahoma, and we met at Brahms in Moore. How I many know good things happen at Brahms? Come on, eggnog milkshakes. Come on, cheeseburger with bacon and fries. It's the last service and I'm hungry and I bring up food every time I preach. Praise the Lord. (laughs) And we met at Brahms. And we started to talk and I just said, Lynn, will you mentor me? Lynn, will you teach me? And he began to pour into my life as a young evangelist. He began to teach me how pulpit etiquette. He began to teach me how to be effective evangelists. He began to teach me how to work with pastors and how to serve them and serve their vision for the house. When I, when I was there, I was there to partner with them. I mean, he began to pour into me. I, I mean, I, I'm, lear- I'm here to learn. I'm here to learn. And I remember Tiffany and I as young evangelists. There was another evangelist that we met, and we had heard about him. He had heard about us, and, and we just asked him. We called him and said, can we come to Arkansas? We know what to drive, but we want to come. We just want to come learn from you. And I, I, we drove to Arkansas, my wife and I, and we went to this man's house and met his family. And I just learned, how are you affected? What are you doing? How are you communicating? What, what do you find effect? And I was just learning. I was learning, and I was stealing everything I could. I started getting brochures, and, woo, that's, woo, look at that. That's a nice. I like that. That's a good idea. I, mean, I wasn't literally stealing, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, I was taking everything I could. I was learning. I was learning. I remember when we moved to Oklahoma City to start People's Church. And one of the first things that I did, of course, all throughout the process of getting ready to start, but when we started the church, the first thing I did was I called a couple of pastors in town. I said, would you teach me? I'm a young pastor. Would you teach me? And those pastors were gracious. They gave me advice. They gave me wisdom. One of those pastors, I stalked him. He didn't know that, but I literally stalked him. I found out his schedule. 
and I found out certain places he showed up, I showed up. Yeah, remember me, Herbert, Herbert Cooper. Oh, Herbert, come here, how you doing, buddy? Good. Learning. I don't want to talk sports. I don't want to talk weather. No, no, I want to talk, make me better, sharpen my axe, teach me. I was learning. I was learning. Even today, man, I'm learning. I'm going to be a lifelong learner. We, we just, uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, a pastor friend of mine, Amarillo, Texas, who has a, has a thriving church there. And a lot of the core values that we have here at People's Church, I, I just took several of our staff members and just said, we're just coming down for two days. Teach us. We want to learn. And we just, a couple of weeks ago, we went and we just learned at their feet. We just listened and soaked it up. You say, why would you do that? Because in every season of life, be committed to learn. And when you're in the prison of life, quit trying to get out the prison. Learn all you can in the prison. Because the prison is preparation for the palace. Learn all you can. And the Lord was with Joseph, even in the prison. Number two is this. Number two is this. Until Pharaoh calls, practice your gift in the prison. Joseph, the underdog, he practiced his gift in the prison. I want you to notice this in Genesis chapter 39 and verse 22, verse 22 it says, So the warden put Joseph in charge of all, notice that word, of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all, notice that word, for all that was done there. The Bible says that Joseph was in the prison and the warden put him in charge of all the people. He was responsible for leading all those inmates. And on top of that, the warden saw such leadership gifts in Joseph and his willingness. And he said, I'm also putting you in charge of all the responsibilities in the prison. Not just over the people. I want all the, jo all the jobs that have to be done in the prison. You're going to oversee them and lead them and delegate and manage and lead the people and lead the, the jobs. Notice that. It goes on to say in verse 23, the warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Now, now this is interesting. This is interesting. Joseph didn't even realize that this prison experience was preparing him for the palace. Now, I want you to understand this. Joseph had no idea. He had no idea that in the very near future, Pharaoh was calling, and he was going to be made second in charge of the entire land of Egypt. He was going to be given huge leadership responsibility to lead the entire nation through one of the horrific times in their history of, of a famine. He was going to have to lead the charge. He had no idea all Joseph was doing was right there in the prison, being faithful to practice his gift and developing his gift right in the prison. Joseph not only practiced his leadership gift, but he, he practiced his dream interpreting gift in the prison. I want you to notice this in Genesis chapter 40. and verse 8, it says, and they replied, we both had dreams last, last night. Let me give you context. Pharaoh had two servants, the chief cupbearer and the baker, the butler and the baker. They did something that Pharaoh did not like. So Pharaoh threw both of them in the prison. They're in the prison with Joseph, and they have a dream. They both have a dream. And so the scripture says we both had dreams last night, but no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business, Joseph replied. Go ahead and tell me your dreams. While in the prison, 
Joseph interpreted the dream of the cupbearer, the butler, and the baker. Joseph was practicing and honing and developing his dream interpreting ability with the baker and the butler. People's church, while you're in the prison, don't let your gifts lie dormant. Go find a baker. Go find a butler and start practicing your gifts. Start using your gifts. You see, while you're waiting on your dream to happen, sow into somebody else's dream. While you're waiting on your dream to happen, bless somebody else's dream with your gifts and with your abilities. While you're waiting on your dream to happen, make somebody else's dream happen. Because what you make happen for others, God will make happen for you. It's called what you reap, what you sow. But if you're not faithful in the little while you're in the prison, you won't be faithful with much while you're in the palace. You got to be faithful to use your gifts right where you are. Friends, can I tell you the worst thing that could happen to you is for Pharaoh to call and you're not ready for your moment. The worst thing that could happen is Pharaoh calls and this is your moment. This is your time. This is your opportunity, but you've been slothful and you've been lazy, you've been arrogant and you haven't been practicing and developing your gift in the prison, and all of a sudden it's your opportunity and you're not ready. Friends, can I tell you, when opportunity comes, it's too late to prepare. Don't miss your moment by, by not practicing your gift right where you are. You see, so many people, you know what they think? I'm not practicing my gift on no butler, no no bakers. They're a bunch of criminals anyways. I shouldn't even be in this prison. Look at y'all down here. Y'all a bunch of criminals. I know y'all did something wrong. I, should, listen, I shouldn't even be here. Criminals. I'm not going to waste my gift on you. No. You're missing it. Use your gift right now. I see a lot of people think, when I get in front of somebody important, when I get the big position, when I get in, somebody, in front of somebody that I deem that is high and, 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 and influential, then I'll use my gift. No, no, no. Practice your gift right where you are in the prison season. I, I can remember when I first started preaching, and I just was hungry to preach God's word. God had given me a gift, and I just wanted to use it to bless people. And I can remember preaching right there when we woke Oklahoma, preaching to my youth group, man, and just pouring my heart out and crying and teaching God's word to the best of my ability. I can remember when I, when I got out of college and even during college, traveling and preaching. And it's so funny now. You know how you can look back over your life and you just laugh and you just can't believe what God has done in your life? That's me. I'm just humble about what God's done. I can't believe it. You ever wake up, you know, sometimes I just wake up and I just pinch myself. It's like, is this real? I, I can't even believe it. It's so funny. People pay me to come preach for them now. I can remember, nobody went, nobody's paying me to come preach. It, it just blows my mind. You know, I, I, this past week I was in, in South Carolina, me and, and our campus pastor from Midwest City, Jason Morris, an organization flew us down and it, they wanted me just to come preach to the pastors and encourage them and teach them. And they flew us both down and paid for our flights and paid for our hotel stay and, and fed us some meals and gave me a, a nice honorarium, nice, more than I deserve. And I'm like, really? 
Really, I mean, I, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be flying to New York, and, and I'm going to go teach at a pastor's conference, and they're going to pay for me and, and my assistant, Shane. He's been with us for 10 years or so, and they're going to pay for us, and they want me just to come speak and take care of the hotel and, 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 and pay for everything and give me, a, give me more money than I deserve just to teach. And I'm like, I can't believe people are paying me to do this. I can't believe this. I, I had a publishing company reach out to me recently and said, Herbert, we want to pay you a lot of money to write a book. And I'm like, I don't even know if I can write. Really, I mean, wake up. Because I remember, I, you don't know about this, but I remember driving in a car two and three and four and five hours, paying for my own gas, showing up, and there was 10 or 15 teenagers preaching like there were thousands and crying and giving an altar call. You better come down here. Come on. I done drove five hours, Jesus. We're going to have a move of God. I was working my gift. I was practicing my gift. I was developing my gift. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor, you're not all that good right now. I'm, hey, pray for me. I'm still working it. I'm still working at it. I'm developing my gift. I was working it. I, can re I remember this. It's so funny. I'm going to New York in a couple of weeks. I remember my first trip to New York. I paid for it myself. I had worked out and got a couple of engagements. These folks took a risk on me. They didn't know me. I bought my own plane ticket, flew out there, broke, but I got off that plane happy. I'm like, I'm in New York. What? From we woke What's up? New York, here I am. And I got off that plane. I didn't have anywhere to stay. I couldn't afford no hotel. And so I stayed at a drug rehabilitation center. And I went to that drug rehabilitation center happy, scared, you know what I'm like. <laughs> Keep my bags close while I sleep, you know what I'm saying? I didn't care. I was happy. I'm in New York. I'm getting ready to preach. I paid you to come here. And, and they said, Mr. Cooper, here's where you're going to sleep. And I looked and I, had, I slept on a, there was a bed with urine spots everywhere. And I, I called up on that bed. I fell asleep. I woke up the next day and I put my suit on and I was ready to go preach. I was excited. to go. I get to go preach God's word. And I was working my gift and developing my gift. I'm not trying to over-dramatize it and make it sound like it was just wonderful. I mean, I didn't enjoy sleeping on those pee beds, but I didn't care. I'm working my gift. I'm preaching. Somebody's giving me an opportunity to do what I love to do, to share God's word. And can I tell you, people's church, you got to work your gift right where you are. Come on, start working it on the baker. Start working it on the butler. If God's called you to write poems, start right now. God's called you to lead. Start leading your kids right now. God's called you to make, have influence. Start influencing right where you are. We wait oftentimes and we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives during the prison season because we're not faithful to use our gifts and develop our gifts right where we are until Pharaoh calls. Work your gifts right where you are. Number three is this. Until Pharaoh calls, wait for God to promote you. Wait for God to promote you. Notice this in Genesis chapter 40 and verse 14. And please remember me. This is Joseph talking to the chief cupbearer. He interprets his dream, and he, the cupbearer is getting restored back to his position with Pharaoh. And, and Joseph says, please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out 
of this palace, or excuse me, of this place. For I was kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. You see, sometimes we're in prison because we deserve it. But sometimes we find ourselves in the prison of life and we've done nothing to deserve it. And Joseph's in prison now and doesn't deserve it. In verse number 23, the Bible says this in chapter 40. Pharaoh's cupbearer, chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. You see, sometimes you will use your gift to help people. You will use your gift to bless people. You will use your gift to help other people's dreams come to pass, and they will forget all about you and leave you in the prison. Here's a word for you, because that's going to happen in life. That's going to happen in life. Here's a word for you. Don't get mad. Don't get bitter. I've taught you this before. You can't control what happens to you, but you can control what happens in you. And so right there, keep a good attitude. Keep a good spirit. It's key to your future. Keep a good spirit. Listen, learn all you can from the experience that you're going through in the prison. Right there in the middle of the prison, begin to use your gifts and develop your gifts by being a blessing to other people. While you're in the prison and you're having some hard knocks and some folks have forgotten about you and stabbed you in your back and done you wrong, listen, right there in the prison, don't you start manipulating situations and circumstances to get yourself promoted. Don't start manipulating to get out of the prison and get yourself into the palace. Because if you manipulate your way to the palace, you got to keep yourself in the palace. But when God promotes you and God places you in the palace, he's responsible to keep you in the palace. And friends, you have to be confident of this. you got to be confident that God is powerful enough to change your season. I want you to hear me today. I'm speaking faith to somebody who's doubting. You got to be confident and you got to know that God is powerful enough to take you from the prison and to put you in the palace. The God that you serve is powerful enough if you will honor him, if you'll keep a good spirit, if you'll keep a good attitude, if you'll learn all you can, if you'll develop your gifts. God, the God that you serve is powerful enough to orchestrate the situations and, and, and to get Pharaoh to call for you if you honor him. And the Bible says this in Genesis 41 and verse 1. It says, two full years later. Don't don't just go past that without, without pausing and understanding what we just read. Joseph has been in the prison for a while already. He interprets this dream. He says, get me out of here if you can. He was forgotten about. And two full years have passed. Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. In his dream, he saw seven fat, healthy cows come up out of the river and begin grazing in the marsh grass. And so Pharaoh has this dream. He starts asking everybody around him to interpret the dream. Nobody can interpret the dream. And then what happens is Genesis 41 and verse 9. It says, finally the the king's chief cupbearer spoke up. Today I I have been reminded of my failure, he told Pharaoh. And all of a sudden he remembers. He says, you know what, two years ago, I met this old boy named Joseph down in the prison. And that old boy interpreted my dream and the baker's dream. Because, you know, we were in prison. Yeah, you remember? You put us there. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, you, you put us there. Yeah. But there was a guy named Joseph. And then Pharaoh said, call for Joseph. 
And he calls for Joseph. Because God has a way when you honor him. And you learn all you can. You're not manipulating. You're not politicking. You're just honoring God. And you're learning all you can. And you've been faithful to use your gifts. And God's in control. And what God has for you, baby, is for you if you honor him. And God orchestrated the situations and circumstances. Pharaoh calls for Joseph. And he interprets Pharaoh's dream. And then he gives Pharaoh some advice about how to handle the seasons of abundance, seven years of it, and seven years of famine. He gives him wisdom. And the Bible says this when Joseph shows up in the palace and interprets his dream. Genesis 41, verse 38. It says, so Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man? So obviously filled with the Spirit of God. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Don't miss this. God of the underdogs. Joseph shows up as a prisoner. Pharaoh doesn't know about Joseph. He didn't know he interprets dreams until somebody tells him about this guy named Joseph. Joseph shows up as a convicted felon. He interprets a dream. He's not even from Egypt. He's from another land. But God so gives Joseph favor in that moment because Joseph has been honoring God for years in the prison. And until Pharaoh calls, he was faithful. And at that very moment, it didn't make sense. But Pharaoh says, I don't, I don't, I don't know you that well. Just met you. But you're going to be my new vice president. You're in charge. You're wise. The Spirit of God is with you. Because God knows how to take you from the prison and to put you in the palace when you honor Him. You don't have to manipulate the situations and circumstances. You just have to honor your king. I think about David. I think about David. The Bible says that Samuel showed up at Jesse's house because God has said one of Jesse, boy, one of his boys is going to be the next king of Israel. All the other brothers, 11 or so brothers, are in the house politicking, playing games, trying to dress right, got the cologne on, talking well, whipping out their resume, trying to be the next king. David's just out there taking care of sheep. And the Bible says that Samuel goes through every son and says, none of them are king. And, and matter of fact, Jesse, the father, doesn't even believe in his own son. He didn't even recommend his own son. What happens in the story is the prophet has to say to Jesse, Jesse, is this all the sons you got? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got, I got one more, yeah. He's out in the field. David, he's out in the field taking care of the sheep. Call him. Call him. David just taking care of sheep. Just been, faith, just been faithful on the backside of the desert. Just been faithful to work his gifts. Just been faithful to take care of the sheep and kill a lion and a bear. Nobody sees all that. Just been faithful to honor God, serve God, have a worshiping heart. And all of a sudden, he gets called not knowing what is going on. And he says, come on. All the others dressed up with cologne. David smells like sheep dung. And he walks in. And, the, and Samuel, the prophet, says, anoint him. He's the one. Because God can take you from the pit, 
from a shepherd boy and put you in the palace if you honor him, if you're faithful to him, if you'll learn all you can, if you'll work your gifts right where you are, if you'll keep a good spirit and a good attitude. God knows how to get you from the pit to the palace because he's a God of the underdog. 